It's AEW Dynamite Review Time here on the Mr. Warren Hayes Show channel and podcast stuff and all of that. It's a pro wrestling podcast that we do here and we're reviewing AEW Dynamite, which is what we do on Thursdays. Typically, hello, I'm Mr. Warren Hayes on top of that. I'm just welcoming you. I'm welcoming you. I want to want to seem, want to give you the impression that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I'm pushing you around. I'm being obnoxious or anything. But this is what we do here on Thursdays here on the Mr. Warren Hayes Show stuff. I already said that October 5th is the day that we are recording this. We're going to be talking about the AEW Dynamite that occurred on October 4th. Because we usually wait, not wait a full day. That's not, that's not right. We sleep on it. You know, let the initial reactions get out of the way. Take a pause, take a deep breath, and then get into it. That's what we're doing here. So welcome. Uh, consider leaving likes and subscriptions here on youtube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes if you're watching this on, on YouTube or if you're on your favorite podcast application, five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, five-star ratings on Spotify. I'll help tremendously grow the channel. Now, I one thing that I just want to get out of the way right now is that you know, I understand that reviews on Apple require a little more effort because you got to... You have to accompany it with words. You have to, right? You can't just drop like a star rating and then and then hit the bricks and then go on and and you know open up you know your your Tinder app and look or Bumble or Grinder, whatever else you kids do today on your phones. But I look, I I, I agree that you know you know the, the the five star rating you know you you need to put in a little effort you have to think up of a review you know you don't want to come out like a complete goof as you're doing it then that's fine uh but you know a five star rating on spotify that's just like a boop boop a like is boop boop a subscription is boop boop more websites in the year of our lord 2023 should include sounds like boop boop so that everything sounds like a like a science fiction movie like how the future was envisioned in 1982. Okay? That's what... More of that, please. Boop, boop. I, w- I will commit to your platform. Just say, telling you this. Web developers... Um, web developers... Uh, uh, what's the... the uh, 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 startup uh, uh, investors... Um, uh, serial entrepreneurs... I will commit to your platform if your user interface, your user experience includes sounds like boop boop. And I'm sure I'm not alone out there. There there is likely a plethora, an untapped market of people like me who 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 are seeking out this type of interaction with their with their internet connected devices in 2023 just saying all right <laughs> but we're here to talk about pro wrestling that's what we do here uh specifically dynamite now look i i want to we're going to preface it here's the long and short of it i just want to preface this before we get into it uh just to be very clear I want to, because sometimes I don't, sometimes I listen, you know, I listen to, 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 to my reviews and I'm like, you know, and, 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 you know, just to pick up cues and to make sure, you know, I, I improve. I think that that's a good way to, to do some self-improvement. You're listening to your stuff and you're like, 
you try to pick up on on things that you can change. And sometimes I have this this tendency to start off by saying, you know, it's, but I have a, a tendency to say I didn't like this, but then the more I talk about it, you get the impression I liked it because I'm really enthusiastic about it and there's things I liked, but then it's like, oh, I didn't like it. And you're like, well, Warren, this doesn't make sense. So I want to preface this by saying I did not like last night's episode of Dynamite, but there is there is stuff on this show that landed and landed hard. And this stuff is going to, uh, I'm going to talk about it with, with great enthusiasm. I'm going to be excited about it. But the things that did not land, which were multiple and overwhelming and egregious at, at some moments, uh, they will probably, I will probably, look, I'll see how it goes. But the point I'm trying to make here is don't be fooled by the things that I really liked giving you the impression that I liked last night's Dynamite because I, overall I didn't. I did not think that was this. I did not think the October 4th, the, the post-Wrestle Dream show, the new era, I do not think that it was a good professional wrestling show. I think there was too much Nonsense? And you know, here's something that I don't understand. I'm going, look, there's so, look, there. Uh, here's the, uh, <laughs> there's so much stuff that I did not care about that really grinds my gears here. Things that didn't connect. And yes, the skits. The fucking skits. And the direction MJF is in. Stuff like that. That takes up so much of the show. It takes up so much of the show. And yet, this is what we, look, this is what we get on a weekly basis. And look, you know, look at what's happening, right? You hear people saying, you know, oh, you know, the ratings are stagnating, you know, whatever. that, that. But we're still struggling to get people in the building. We're still struggling to get people to get their asses in the building, to buy tickets, to sit down and watch the show. And yet I'm being told, you know, this MJF stuff, oh, it's tremendous. Everyone loves it. The audience loves it. But yet we're not getting people in the seats, right? The brochacho stuff. I don't want to, I'm not, I don't want to pin this like the MJF stuff, the brochacho stuff, right? But look at what happens then, right? Week after week, people are, oh, Warren, it's not so bad. Oh, Warren, this. And yet, you look at this stuff and you're like, what the hell are we doing? What is all this stuff? There's more and more references to WWE stuff now on Dynamite than ever. And then people are wondering why, oh, well, you know, business, you know, live business ain't so great. And people are wondering. They're like, they're scratching their beards. Or they're non-beards if they don't have one. And then you... They do this week after week. You know? These long segments. I guess we're talking about it. They do these these extended segments with MJF and the brochacho stuff. Which, the, that skit last night, I have no use for it. I think it's trash. And we had to sit through it fucking twice. Because... Audio issues. 
How fucking embarrassing is this shit? Sitting through this segment, that the, the, the segment of Adam Cole showing up at Roderick Strong's house and now they're doing, you know, they're they're doing go they're doing races in their and giraffes look and we had to sit through it twice because the first time can't even get their 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 fucking audio in order like AEW versus audio issues is feud of the year and it's embarrassing for a company that's on national television week after week five hours of programming a week That was embarrassing. They're about to sign a a rights deal, which is supposed to be a tremendous rights deal from what we've been gathering. And you get this kind of shit every week. They can't get their audio mixed together. And it fails on the worst possible shit on the show. I'm sorry, I do not like this stuff. I really don't. And yet I'm being told, but people in the building like it, sure. People on social media seem to like it, sure. Hell, there's even people in the Mr. Warren Hayes Show Discord who are popping at it. I think it's lame. I think it's every, it represents everything that I have left behind by not watching WWE anymore. This is the kind of shit that I fled from. This is what we're doing on a weekly basis. Because apparently this is a really good angle that people really enjoy. Don't get me wrong. People in the building seem to like it. They seem to enjoy it. But you know, Max, last night, when he came out to do his thing, could barely, what was it, taint? What what the fuck was it? I can't even remember. I'm pushing it out of my memory. Talentless taint. That doesn't exactly roll off the tongue. And he's trying to get people to chant for it. Like, I, I know what he's doing. Don't get me wrong. But it all feels... Forced. It all feels contrived. And the reason why I hammer on this specifically and why it, bo- be- be- why it bothers me so much is for two reasons. First of all, all of this brochacho stuff involves the biggest title in the company, first and foremost. And that should be the focus. And the second reason why I hammer this home is because Max is better than this. I talked about it on the podcast this week in regards to the match that they had at WrestleDream. And I said the exact same words and I'm going to use them again. Max is better than this. The burns, the insults that he's pulling out, they all feel forced. He can get things over organically. I know what he's doing. And I know, and this is all to, I want to try and balance this out as as best I can because there's stuff that I cannot knock this guy on. 
He is a tremendous talent, extremely charismatic, and he's over as fuck. If you had, I don't know, name me anyone. If you had Colton Gunn trying to do this, trying to do exactly what MJF is doing, it would never fucking work. Why? Because he's not MJF. MJF is special. He's a generational talent. I buy into that hype. He's a tremendous wrestling package. He's the most complete, well-rounded, professional wrestler doing it today, and he's still under 30 years old. Give the devil his due. But when I see this kind of stuff, it makes me feel uncomfortable. I think it's cringy. You get, and then you get, you get Jay White coming out to ground us, to bring this back to its pro wrestling roots, and I'm like... All I can do is applaud it. Maybe this is exactly what it's supposed to do. Maybe this is exactly what MJF and, and the Jay White MJF stuff is supposed to do. It's supposed to have Jay White, who is a fantastic talker as well, tremendously charismatic, but a grounded pro wrestler, a guy who will stick to the issues. He wants the fucking world title and he's going to come after Max's world title and he cut a perfect... Pro wrestling angle promo last night. And maybe this is what the next step in this bro chacho stuff is going to be. MJF sort of trying to refocus on serious shit. Trying to refocus. Oh, look. Enough with the goofball shit. Because this guy pisses me the fuck off. Maybe. But we got all this nonsense going around, right? All of this, all of this bullshit. The, 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 and you know, when M, and MJ, I am all over the fucking place, but this is, we've got the vignettes, we've got the sports entertainment stuff, and then, but here's the thing, MJF, when he came out and said, you know, I'm, you know, for the four-year anniversary of Dynamite, I'm going to list off some of the very terrible things I've done. Lashing Cody with my belt. Uh, throwing Chris Jericho off a cage. Uh, you know, almost getting us kicked off the air because I called Tony Khan a fucking mark. And I'm like, you know what? Everything that MJF has just put out there, all the, then there was something else, and I don't remember, but those three things that I do remember... There, I remember them and they stuck with me when he said it. it. What he said there stuck with me because all of those angles were pro wrestling angles, simple, effective, made you feel something. And Max was tremendous in all of those circumstances. We were doing, we were doing pinnacle shit, which he was tremendous in. The feud with Cody and the lashes, just fantastic stuff. And the, 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 you know, the, 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 sh the work shoot stuff. Again, tremendous stuff. Because he's that fucking talented. Because he can get it across. All of the other bullshit is exactly that. It's bullshit. Him entering his Triple H era and defeating all by himself season tag teams is bullshit. It's all bullshit. And I, I legitimately believe 
that Maxwell Jacob Friedman is better than everything that this angle has, has put together. I really do believe he's better than that. I'm, I've heard stuff that there are certain uh, uh, important pundits in the business this week that will be re- that will be releasing their newsletter upon which the observe things that um, they are about to go a little hard on MJF because of the business metrics of AEW these days. You have to point to the top guy. And MJF, I'm sure he realizes this. He's a student of the game. He knows this shit. Being the world champion comes with a lot of um, pressure. And he's the guy that you look to then. When the business is good, they're going to congratulate you. The opposite has to be real. And And here's my final point before we actually get into the fucking review here. I'm telling you, it's one of those days. Uh, the last point I want to make here is that, look, we keep tell people keep telling me, you know, uh, you know, oh, you, you know, you need this to attract the casual fan. You need this to, you know, people in the building love it. It's a super hot angle. It's working really well. Next week, Dynamite is on Tuesday going head to head with NXT and they are loading it up with wrestling matches. They're not they're not they're not doing a half hour sit down with MJF and, you know, skits or whatnot. No, no, no. They're loading up the show with title matches that you want to see. And listen, look, this is what we have on the slate here. Adam Page versus Jay White. We've got Adam Copeland who's going to make his AEW in-ring debut. We've got Soraya versus Sheeta. We've got John Moxley versus Ray Phoenix. Danielson versus Strickland in a number one contenders match for the TNT title. Hobbs versus Jericho. This card is stacked. This is what, see, this is the dichotomy of AEW. This is why I do not buy this idea that AEW is focused on, you know, they have to they have to do this stuff because this is how the business is now. Oh, you have to do the sports entertainment, you have to do the you have to you have to focus more on character work. You have to do the skits cuz you need the, you know, these straw man casual fans, right? We need all of those coming back. You know, these mythical, mystical uh casual fans that, you know, live in logs deep in the the sylvan forests, right? We need to drag those out, but but look at this Six fucking wrestling matches next week on Tuesday on a night that AEW wants to stack because they want to win because meanwhile NXT is stacking up their show. And they're not stacking it with matches. Look at what they're doing. Look at what they're announcing. Cody's going to be there. That's their big thing. Cody's going to be there. Well, they do have matches. I'm I'm lying. I, you know, I'm, I'm stretching the truth. I'm not lying. I'm stretching the truth a little bit, but that's the point. So... You can't come and tell me then that AEW is that that AEW is not about the pro wrestling. It's not about the matches. That's not what drives its audience to watch it. When they decide to come together, on a, when they decide to come together and, and and 
and, and stack a card to go head-to-head -head with WWE and all they do is pull out big-time matches. A debut, Page versus White, Moxley versus Phoenix, Danielson versus Strickland. What the fuck are we doing here? You can't, if this is what they feel, will bring, will we'll, 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 we'll have people tuning in, choosing to watch this over the other guys. Then what are we doing on Wednesdays on, usual, on, on typical nights? What is this direction that we're on if it's not all about the matches? Because when it's time to deliver, when it's time to perform, when it's time to go head-to-head, -head, when it's time to compete, it is all about the matches. October 4, from the Stockton Arena in Stockton, California, 3,239 tickets distributed for AEW, it's not bad, it's average. The show opens up with Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega backstage with Renee Piquette. They're talking up the four years of Dynamite. How on the first Dynamite, they fought each other on opposite sides of the ring. And tonight, they're teaming up. And then Adam Copeland shows up. And Renee just glows. And Adam just glows. He's, he's like, we're, we'll talk about it, of course, a little more later. But um, this guy is clearly happy with his decision. And he's ready for this new direction. And things feel fresh. Things feel new. And this is how the pro wrestling business should be. This is how the pro wrestling business should be instead of locking people down in for, to a promotion for 10, 15, 20 years. There should always be room to move around. Go from one place to another. Try out these fresh starts. Just see how green the grass is on the other side. Whatever, who cares? But this is good for the pro wrestlers. There's no, you cannot look at Adam Cope last night and say this guy was miserable not sure he made the right choice this guy was glowing and he tells Renee he says I am so happy to see you again you can tell Renee is a she is a um, she's an open book right and you can tell by the way she she when she sees him pop in and he starts talking you can tell like her body language changes and everything she's like damn it's so nice to see this guy again and he's, Chris, it's nice to see you. And he shakes Kenny Omega's hand. Very symbolic, right? Very symbolic. You know, the old AEW guard welcoming the, you know, the, 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 the WWE lifer into the, into the fold. There's no hard feelings. Kenny does a joke. Kenny seemed a little, didn't he seem a little tired? I thought he felt he came across as a little tired in that promo though. But they did what it had to do. Plus, look what it did. At the start of the show, it tells you, hey, look, we're not fucking around. Adam Copeland is here. Uh, you know, right out the gate, first quarter hour, first minutes of the first quarter hour. And when is the next time you see the guy? Well, in the main event. So you want to see Adam Copeland? Look, we show you. Here he is. He's really here. We're not screwing around with you. And then main event, you have to stick around until the very end of the show. The, the bitter end of the show.
International TV title match. Ray Phoenix defeated Nick Jackson. Um, this was this was very good. This was this was very good. Um, uh, what else were you, what, what else were you going to expect out of these two? Out of Nick, De- out of, out of the younger brothers. What did you expect out of these two here, right? And and they delivered exactly what you thought they would. Um, uh, and uh, look, I really enjoyed this. I really enjoyed it, especially the final stretch when we were back from commercial. Just a a, a tremendous. Tremendous opener. Fast action. It, like it's like I'm like I'm used to my dynamites opening, right? This is how they usually open. Just a a bonkers, fast-paced, high-flying match between two guys who know each other real well, have great chemistry. And the story of this match here is that they're selling the fact that Penta is still hurt. Now. Clearly, he's been medically cleared to wrestle like and actually do shit because he's he was bumping in this match. He wasn't just being careful. It's not like they did at Wrestle Dream where he did came in quickly and then was was thrown out of the match because of his injury because he wasn't really clear. They just wanted to do a little thing and then he he got walked back. Um, he seemed to be okay here, but was selling the shoulder and so on and so forth. And then after the match later on in the evening, you find out. Next week at Title Tuesday, that's right, and we talked about it already. Mox is challenging him for the international title, so we, we you, you know which way the wind is blowing here. There's no big, there's no big mystery here. We're going back to the plan. Mox clearly went through the protocol. Hopefully, you know they're very, very opaque about this, and I don't like it. You know, this is one of the things that a lot of us had hoped that AEW would do is that they would be more transparent on this kind of stuff on injuries and you know their concussion protocols and stuff like that because it is such a a sticking point in the business it had been for years so we can only assume that John Moxley has gone through the protocols and that he's okay and that he'll be back he'll be ready to work again next week hope so cross your fingers um but uh, but yeah, so so uh, so you, you see how the wind is blowing here, right? They're still selling the injury for Phoenix. Phoenix is going to work is going Mox is going to work the injury next week, and he's probably going to get a very quick, decisive, dominant win over Phoenix. And from what we gathered later on, or later on in the evening, we might as well talk about the spot right now because there is later on there is this this interminable segment segment of the show where it's just talk 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 um Cassidy uh, Orange Cassidy is backstage with Hook with Renee Paquette and um you know Hook tells Orange Cassidy that he deserves a title too and it should be Orange getting the rematch against Phoenix not John Moxley so there you go all you know everything has been all the dominoes have been set here is that a good is that a good comp all the yeah, uh, the the table settings have been placed. All we need is the main course now. I don't know what are we doing here. I'm trying too hard. That's what we're doing. The uh, everything is in place. Phoenix, his shoulder injured. 
not 100%. Mox coming back off of his own injury. He was supposed to hang on to the title regardless. You know, uh, um, Phoenix wasn't supposed to drop the title. That was a, an audible that they called in the ring. So we're going to go, we're going to revert back to Moxley being on top with the international title. And then Cassidy, last night, seems a little annoyed. You know, he's I don't know, whatever. You know, he needs a chip. And, he's a, and you don't see Orange Cassidy being annoyed all that much, right? So that's new. So, um, so you, you see where this is, you, you see where the wind is blowing here, right? Mox is going to regain the title next week and they're probably going to have the Mox-Cassidy rematch at full gear. Makes sense, doesn't it? Good match. So then we get the Adam Cole, Roderick Strong, low audio bullshit, no audio bullshit. And you know, to me it was a it was a bit of a blessing in disguise. But they had to get an overrun to replay the shit. Not only look, this is how big this is, right? In the minds backstage. The audio was shit, so they had to replay it on the show later on and get authorization for an overrun because they didn't want to cut into the main event which was a good idea but this is how big it is because they could have just thrown this up on social media and just leave it there just be like oh we apologize for the audio issues here on twitter put it up on their youtube they're gonna do it anyway you know, they're going to put it up on YouTube regardless. But no, they they had to put this 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 vignette on. They had to make this segment. Make sure that we monopolize more than enough time for this to work. And you know what? Here's the thing. You didn't need the fucking sound to understand what was going on. Anyway, I already talked about it. Wardlow shows up out of nowhere to, 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 to squish Griff Garrison. Pissed off, angry Wardlow. Stomping his way to the ring. Destroys Griff. Doesn't even, doesn't even try to pin him. The referee calls the match. And then he just walks out in the crowd. Okay, I'm sure. I'm down for that. After that, we get Renee Paquette interviewing Don Callis and Can I have no thoughts on the Wardlow, by the way. All outside that, I like this, but we've seen the Wardlow squashes before. That being said, this is a nice little twist. I enjoy it. But can the Wardlow sink his teeth into a program? Can he do something significant on that front? Can Wardlow rise above squashing people? That being said, I enjoyed this. And I, I've told all of you multiple times, there should be more squash matches on television. There should be more. That's how you build guys and gals. So I don't have an issue with this in any way, shape, or form. The question is, we've seen Wardlow in positions where he's getting a pushy push, 
and things didn't quite end up the way that we expected or maybe even that creative expected or that Wardlow expected. So that's what I'm raising. That's the question I'm raising. The, 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 the stuff in it about itself, the squash and doing more squashes and angry pissed off Wardlow just barrels in and barrels out. I'm completely for that. It's, I'm cool with that. Back from uh, commercial, yeah, we were uh, just men started to mention Rene Paquette was with uh, Don Callis and Kineske Takeshi. Callis says Sammy Guevara has been declared unfit to compete tonight, so he will not be in the tag team match. But uh, he, uh, you know, on the advice of Will Ospreay, uh, he he, uh, he is he's calling up uh, Kyle Fletcher to be Kineske's partner in this match to replace Sammy Guevara, uh, which personally. I believe is an upgrade. I think Kyle Fletcher has many more tools and skills. I think he's a much more complete package than Sammy Guevara is. Um, and he has a lot more upside too. And he's fucking young. So if they want to make Kyle Fletcher adjacent to the Don Callis family while Mark Davis is out with a an injury, uh, snapped wrist, which fucking sucks by the way. Don't get me wrong here. Um, they might as well do it because, you know, Scuttlebutt, uh, the, the Scuttlebutt is that uh, everyone sees top guy potential in Kyle Fletcher. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that he is going to be a top guy. I'm saying he's got the potential. St- again, he's still young and there's still things that he needs to work on to get to top level status. What I'm saying is that he has all the goods. He's got everything. He's got so many intangibles and basics and hard work. So they put him in this match, and guess who does the work? The match being the the, the tag team. Let's talk about it right now. It doesn't exactly happen in this sequence, but look, I'm all over the fucking place regardless in this review. Let's keep going. He's doing... We're talking about Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega defeating Kanosuke Takeshi and Kyle Fletcher. Who did all the work here? Who was the MVP of this match? It was Kyle Fletcher. They threw him in here, and they were like, okay, kid, time to shine. Show these people what it's about. Right? Show these people what this is all about. And that's what he did. He got in there, and he worked super hard. He made sure that he got more than just his shit in. That he looked like a, like a fucking prince doing it. He had a tremendous outing. And he looked good. People sold for him. And don't, don't think that Tony Khan doesn't see the potential in this kid either. So if they want to make him a part of the family in the meantime or make him family adjacent, I think this works. It works because he is in a stable with... Um, Will Ospreay and that connection was very easy to make and they you know they they took advantage of it and it was very easy to make uh they're in a stable together United Empire um Will Ospreay brought Aussie Open into New Japan it all works here too so then Will Ospreay even if it is Will Os- even if it's not Will Osprey's call, the connection here in kayfabe is fantastic, and it works. So, make him join the family, 
make them family adjacent, it works. It's fine. And if this is the kind of role that they have for Kyle Fletcher in the meantime, to sort of have him get some, some, some alone time from Aussie Open, good for him. I enjoyed Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega, Kaneski Takeshita, and Kyle Fletcher. Because Fletcher worked really fucking hard. Really good stuff. But then, after the match, oh, this is tremendous. This is tremendous. After the match, Don Callis, who was on commentary, pops up from his seat which serves to distract the baby faces, Chris Jericho and, and, and Kenny Omega. And while they're distracted, powerhouse Hobbs runs in from behind and beats the shit out of the boys. That's right. Powerhouse Hobbs. He throws Kenny over a barricade. They go into the crowd. He, he even takes one of the barricades, wrecks a... Pulls out one of the rails, tubing, whatever you want to call it. And he pulls that out and he, he slides Omega's head between them and he starts choking him out there. Then they bring him back into the ring. They tape him up. <coughs> Why do pro wrestlers have such difficulty using duct tape? I don't understand. Duct tape is literally... The easiest shit to use on planet Earth. And yet, they can't tape up Kenny properly against the ropes using the tape for some goofball reason. I don't, I don't understand. Why is it so hard? Finding, finding keys to, to handcuffs and using duct tape in pro wrestling. And you'd think it'd be... Yano needs to give a seminar. Yano's figured it out. Plus, he does it with the fucking uh, white electric tape. It's not even duct tape. Duct tape should be even easier. But this was tremendous. So they're tying Kenny up so that Hobbs can continue beating the shit out of him. Chris Jericho comes in and he, because Hobbs has got a chair and he's ready to, to cream Omega with it, right? And Jericho comes in and he's like, no. And he stands in front of him and he extends his arms. He's like, I'm taking a bullet for my friend. I'm like, oh. But he eats a chair shot to the gut. And then Hobbs sort of, you know, you know, batters up. Don Callis is in. He's like, I want to do it. Takes the chair, plops him right on the head. Yeah, unprotected chair shot to the head. And every, here's the thing that I really liked about this. Look, it wasn't. It was a good chair shot, but it wasn't a savage one. We've seen. We've seen. We've absolutely seen worse. If you thought this is bad, um, the entire catalog of ECW is there to you know remind you of how really bad it was. Or uh, The Rock versus Mick Foley. That's also one. But um, and there's a dent in the chair, like just tremendous stuff. And I hope he keeps the chair. You know, I hope the chair. I hope Callus. Holds on to the chair and brings it around. Carries it around with him. Because this was a tremendous angle. 
probably my favorite angle of the night. Because on top of that, commentary is going. Excalibur is like, oh, this harkens us back to a part of pro wrestling that we that's best left behind, you know? Like, they're, they're downplaying the severity of it without going overboard, without getting overly dramatic, and also calling back to a part that pro wrestling fans today are like, yeah, Jesus, this is rough. And even in the Discord, people were losing their shit. Just, oh, my God, an unprotected chair side. And then you have Taz there as well going all... Yeah, man, listen, I was part of that generation and, uh, you know, so many guys got hurt and like, this is fantastic. Like, I, I, everyone played their part here and it felt, it felt real. It felt good. There was, it felt villainous. This is, this Don Callis stuff has been hitting and now Powerhouse Hobbs is in the family. Now it's starting to feel like a family. Now we've got ourselves a stable or a, 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 a stable or what's, a, what's the other word I'm looking for? A, a faction? I like faction more than stable. We got ourselves a faction that's really coming together here. That feels good. That feels like just a bunch of dastardly fucks. And you know what? Fuck QTV. Fuck QTV. Thank God Hobbs is out of there. And I'm glad. I don't know if anyone was listening to me. When I was lamenting Hobbs a few weeks ago, saying, I don't need him to have a proper exit out of QTB. Then again, maybe it happened on Rampage and I didn't see it. But we don't need a proper exit. I don't even care if there was a proper exit. He needed to be far away from all this goofy TMZ bullshit that they're doing. Get him as far away from that as possible. Put him on TV as a, as a kick-ass you know, machine of destruction. Keep him far away from QTV. And they don't even have to write in a story. Just, in this circumstance, just cut the cord and let him go. That's all. It doesn't matter. I don't need an explanation. I don't need a, a an extended feud with QT Marshall versus, you know, Aaron Solo and John Morrison to, you know, to wrap up his, his, his departure from QT. I don't give a shit. He needed to be as far away as possible. This is probably the best possible outcome for Hobbs. I am so stoked for this. We're all over the place now. What were we talking about? We talked about, uh, oh yeah, the interview. Oh, we haven't talked about the trios match. Billy Gunn and the Acclaim versus Kip Sabian and the Butcher and the Blade. I don't know, whatever. Like, this is for someone and it's not for me. Is the acclaimed act starting to, is it starting to, to get a little old? Is it starting to lose steam at the very least? Because most of this match happened during picture in picture, right? But I'm legitimately asking. Because uh, um, I'm legitimately asking. Because as you may recall, if you are a long-time listener of this, the acclaimed gimmick is not for me. I appreciate that it got over. I appreciate that these guys worked hard to get where they are, and they are, they will always be a true-to-form AEW success story from top to bottom. But are we at hitting a point of saturation with the acclaimed and the scissoring? And all? I'm asking uh, 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 sincerely, earnestly 
because as I said, it's not for me, but if you are into the acclaimed stuff, is this getting a little long in the tooth? Because for me, it kind of is. But I will defer to the masses because uh, I am not, uh, um, I don't think I'm a, um, uh, I, 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 my biases are too strong here. We get RJ City and Tony Storm doing the portrait of a star. The, and she called, now she started, she's starting to call herself timeless. She's got the goofy, not goofy, but the, the, the makeup, the smeared makeup. Excuse me. What the hell was that, Warren? No, we're keeping this in. I don't know. I have time to edit today. What the hell? It's as if I ate some fucking cheese curds, some fried cheese curds before coming in here and I'm then belching like a f Christ. Warren, if you keep doing that, you'll never get the job at ESPN. <laughs> you'll, <laughs> you'll never get a job at ESPN if, you, if you're fucking burping during your broadcast. What the hell is this? The Joe Rogan experience? Anywho, we got... Uh, <laughs> our, <laughs> we have RJ City and, and Tony doing this. And Tony is... So she's leaning into all of this. She's turning into the... the uh, it reminds me a lot of the hotness... The hot mess, excuse me, you know, at Chelsea Green's, what was she called? Laurel Van Ness, the hot mess, which was a gimmick I liked. I liked the hot mess. And I know there's a lot of people who are bothered with this, right? Because of the fact that it's very sports entertaining, right? This character that she's doing because she's lost her mind and now she thinks she's like she's she's in her Joan Crawford 40s era, starlet, uh, aging starlet era, you know, and Hollywood Sunset Boulevard, right? That's the, the name of the movie, right? All that era. And there's a lot of people who are really annoyed by this, but and I think they're annoyed because the MJF stuff, the Brochacho stuff, is so and all encompassing that this is starting to get annoying. Now, I me it doesn't really bother me. It doesn't really bother me. I, I I don't know. I think I have a I have a little more tolerance for this kind of stuff. But anything that will get more attention on the women, on the women's division and what they're doing, more, more reasons to get people to want to see them, I think is fine. Now, this is tying in nonetheless to something that we spoke about a couple of times here on this very review is that the more people will be seeing MJF getting, you know, 30 minutes of airtime a week with Adam Cole as well and, and Roderick Strong. The more people see that by doing these heavy gimmicks, these heavily gimmicked angles, let's call them that, taking up 30 minutes of programming a week, the more the people on the undercard, people who are going to want to try and do it. I don't blame Tony Storm for wanting to get in on this action where she's like, I need to stand apart here. What should I do? I'm going to do this. And it's working because she's good. Again, this is something you'd put in the hands of Layla Hirsch. Never work. Layla Hirsch doesn't have the chops to do this. Tony does because Tony's fucking great. Tony's great at what she does. And since this is, it's like it's not a top of the card thing. It's, you know, she's not at the top of the card. It's still very much a mid-card thing. It doesn't bother me. You know, in the same extent that 
I don't rave and, and, and yell at the acclaim shit, even though I don't really care for it and it's not for me. It does, like it, it's not that much of a concern. But I hope we're all objective enough to see the patterns here. And the more these things permeate AEW and the more these things get over, the more people are going to want to do this. It's a slippery slope into sports entertainment. A sports entertainment, a company, might I remind us all, a company that used sports entertainment as a heel gimmick that had fan favorite Dan Garcia turn on us, rejecting his wrestler roots to be a sports entertainer to the chagrin of the smart wrestling crowd. And now we're leaning into the sports entertainment as a good thing. I hope we're all objective enough to realize, to see where we're at, where the wind has blown, right? Right? We're all smart enough to realize this, right? Might as well talk about the Tony Storm match. Again, I'm all over the fucking place. Um, uh, she defeated Sky Blue. I thought the final third of this match got particularly strong. Uh, I think this was one of Sky Blue's best um, best showings in a long time. I thought she was very good here, but look again, she's working Tony Storm. Tony Storm, one of the best, one of the best workers in North America right now. Uh, so if she can't if she can't squeeze something good out of Sky Blue, uh, Sky Blue's the problem. But no, we got something here. I enjoyed it. Short enough little match, but you know, it was, uh, you know, Sky Blue played her hits. She's got her hits and they landed and it was good. And the German, the hip attack and the storm zero for, uh, for Tony Storm. Of course, everyone, you know, everyone is going nuts over the titty slap thing. I Sometimes I wonder how, how much they can get away with. And then every week I'm like, oh, there's what, here's a little something more. I Sometimes I really wonder how far they can go. John Moxley was F-bombing and he got fined. Right? And is that what he said on Wrestle Dream on the pre-show? He F-bombed and, he, and when he came back for commentary on the main, uh, for the main matches, he said, oh, well, I got fined, so I got to be careful. And yet he still... Tremendous stuff. Um, now, good little match. A great, really solid final third. We get a video package for Danielson versus Zack Sabre Jr. A sort of a uh, uh, of a montage of their respective "We should have a rematch" uh, videos that they posted on social media and whatnot. Uh, they're they're doing this, right? I. I is I hope it's clear for everyone. The question of, as everyone says, is when and where. That'd make a pretty, uh, pretty dope uh, dome match for Wrestle Kingdom, if you ask me. Then we get a a, a, a recap of uh, Shane Strickland and Adam Page. Mostly focused on Page here, uh, who said that um, his arms hurt and he has to rehab his arm. Here's something else, also, right? The thing is that. Um, when Page, not Page, but Omega, when he was getting attacked, 
I saw a lot of people were like, well, where the fuck are the elite? You know, it was very clear in the show. Again, if you're paying attention. Earlier in the show, commentary said Nick Jackson and Matt are off to hospital because of injuries that Matt suffered during his match with Phoenix. And in this pre-tape, Adam Page says, I got to rehab my arm. So he's not even there. So there was no elite. So that's why Kenny Omega got the shit beat out of him. And the elite didn't come out to save him. But uh, I think we're going into an angle here where Hangman feels like he might have lost his step. We might be getting some more millennial anxiousness for, for a few here. So we'll see how this goes. I don't know how I feel about it. I think we... It all depends on how it's executed. But we've been here before when it comes to Paige and being full of doubt. Um, we'll, see what, we'll see how it goes. But good little pre-tape. And this is where they announced that we were getting Danielson versus Strickland for the number one contendership, for the TNT title. I, I, tremendous, tremendous stuff. Like absolutely tremendous stuff. And I like how, is it, and isn't it peculiar, guys, gals, non-binary pals, that the TNT title and the international title feel like much bigger deals than the top prize in the company? Isn't that peculiar? Then we get a recap. This was the part of the show where I was, I was just, I wanted to drive my head through drywall. It was just recaps. And, and 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 packages and 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 just too much talk one next to each other we got this we got we we had that then we get the the MJF Jay White stuff and then the Cassidy Hook stuff before getting to another match like I I didn't really didn't care for how this show was paced anywho this was the whole we 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 mentioned it earlier when I was going off on my rant I don't know how much I have to add here uh, but the gun club come out. Sans Jews, uh, Jay White. Um, uh, Colton Gunn has the, uh, has the, uh, charisma equivalent of a, of a bundle of sticks, right? Like, uh, don't give this kid a mic. He's, uh, he, no. None of the gun's antics are really good until Juice gets in, gets on there. Because he calls out MJF. Because they're they're all convinced that MJF attacked Jay backstage. You know, with the devil mask and, you know, the whodunit, I guess you'd call it. Um, telling Max he should wear his little gimp suit and come face him. Like, Man, Juice is tremendous. Juice is so good. Juice is so good. Like, when Jay White comes out after attacking, after attacking um, MJF, and Juice is, and uh, Jay is, uh, you know, at the top and... And he has the belt because he stole the belt. And he's at the, he's on the ramp and he's telling Stockton, you know what? What I forget what he says exactly. He says I don't know if I want to do this in Stockton. I don't know about you. You know, he says you people stink or something like that. And and Juice is in the background saying, "It's true. We really hate you." <laughs> he's just he's in this role. He is tremendous. He is absolutely tremendous. But uh, look, here's the thing. Like I said, I don't want to rehash everything. But what MJF did here, I understand why he's doing it. And it's crowd-pleasing. And you got to get the crowds excited. 
but there's a lot of things that aren't connecting. I think he's better than the promos he's been cutting. I think the his insults is tur- his have been forced for a while. Tofu, and he says, oh, I'll get it. O-. You know why he's going to get it over? Because it's MJF. Like I said before, you have Griff Garrison doing this. You have fucking Colton Gunn doing this. This will never. This shit would never get over. It gets over because it's MJF, and that's to his credit. But he can be better than this. He should be better than this. And so when so when when he does all his shtick when it's done, and and then Jay White is at the top of the ramp and he is cutting. Your A plus, top tier, like. You know, here is a class on how to cut a main event promo. Promo. He's tremendous. Like, now I'm sitting there. I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm like, fuck yeah. And I kind of want to root for Jay now. And I'm I'm twisted like that. And don't get me wrong. These are two. Look, MJF and Jay White, for me, is a kind of a dream match. It's something that I'm like, will this ever happen? Because these are two of my favorite workers. Two of my favorite pro wrestlers. Uh, of the past few years so I'm excited for like for me this is you want to let's slap the Warren Hayes dream match stamp on this it's weird because I'm talking about it and I kind of feel down about it but then once we get to the match this should deliver right up until the ending this is an MJF match these days but look I'm going to try and keep my my expectations realistic and try to focus on the good things Gonna try, but MJF and Jay White is gonna rule. Uh, what else we got? Oh yeah, we also had MJF in the trainer's room with MJF, and then you know Max Caster sort of is is there, and he sort of sneaks in and he starts massaging his shoulders, and they're referencing their Twitter stuff and whatever. The important thing here is that MJF. Tries to call Adam Cole because he's fed up of dealing with all of this stuff all alone. And Adam Cole doesn't pick up. It goes to voicemail. Oh, no. I need a story bump in this real fucking fast. Real fucking quick. We get a a tremendous Samoa Joe pre-tape. Looking like a fucking mob boss. The, the guy in this entire company. The one... Not this entire company. This entire sport of pro wrestling. There are probably five guys right now who will put on a suit and stare into the camera, talk to you, and give you the impression that they could snap your neck at any given moment. They just have to choose to do it and you don't even have a say in it. There's nothing you can do to stop them. What a tremendous promo again from Samoa Joe who's still eyeing the, the World Heavyweight Championship because someone has to make... How, Jay White cares about it. Samoa Joe cares about it. Tremendous! And then the main event, main event promo. You guys know I'm not a fan of these, except in certain circumstances, and I think this one warranted it. Tony Schiavone... Welcomes Adam Copeland to the uh, to the AEW ring. Um, I love how Adam Copeland. It's gonna take it's gonna take a while not to call him Edge 
I, you know, to, to sort of pull it back, I think that's fair. That's how he's been known his entire career. Hell, he even acknowledged it when when the audience started chanting Adam, Adam. He's like, ah, this is pretty cool. No one's ever chanted that before. This is pretty dope. Um, because uh, here's another. That was another first time right there. Adam Cole and Adam Cole, Adam Copeland and uh, 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 Tony Schiavone in the same ring. And Copeland acknowledged it and said, look, you were the, uh, the voice of my youth because Copeland uh, grew up with uh, WCW. He was, a, he was a Nitro guy. But he tells him, look, this mining ring now hit the bricks. And Tony's like, all right. <laughs> Tony's like a good sport out of it. He's like, all right. Um, so listen, I'm not going to break down the entire, the, the entire promo. This is pretty much what you expected, um, but you can you can tell he's taken the time to soak in the crowd, and he's taken the time to interact with the crowd, and you can already tell he feels uh, he feels natural and he feels good about it. Where he can just like stop and you know address the crowd while they're they're chanting stuff and he's talking to them and he's facing away from the hard cam, <laughs> you know, all this stuff where you're like okay. This feels natural and he feels natural and he doesn't feel stilted. He doesn't feel like he's saying lines. Adam Copeland, Edge, has always been a good promo. Always been. The, like we we weren't introduced to a side of him that, that has been sight unseen for years. But he did feel natural. He didn't have that cadence in WWE where I have to talk a certain way because we think our audience is slow and if we talk too fast they will not understand what i the rated r superstar am saying you know whatever you get what i mean right but it felt natural it felt good and and you could tell he enjoyed it right and of course he dropped a bunch of names, good form on his part. He said there's a first bunch of first-time matches, Kenny Omega, Miro, which kind of surprised me, but not as much as John Moxley. Dean Ambrose and Edge never had a, a singles match. That surprised me. Hobbs, Jay White, even called out Juice Robinson. I'm like, all right, let's go. <laughs> um... And he was, you know, so he was excited about that. Talked about the AEW World Championship. I guess he does, but quite frankly, I couldn't give a rat's ass about that. I think his value is somewhere else, but listen, we'll see how things go. And then he said that it was his, uh, one of his girls who said that, because uh, he was talking about retiring. And one of his girls said, uh, why don't you go have fun with Uncle Jay? Uncle Jay being Jay Chris, uh, Christian Cage, right? Jay Bird, as Edge called him. If you listen to the their old podcast, you'd call him Bird. So he called him out. He called out Christian Cage. The champ is here. Get into the ring. He's on his guard. Nice little pop moment as the two stare each other down. I'm I'm not gonna lie. And look, as as um even my old stone heart here, <laughs> where where I despite my my stone facade, 
in regards to Edge going into AEW and how I'm not quite sure about it. I, you know, I am. This is a guy who's going to have to win me over because I'm not entirely in on it. I'm not 100% in on it like a lot of people are. Most people are. Um, I'm a little on my guard. Uh, despite all of that, looking at Christian Cage and Edge at this stage of their career, being separated for, for so long and in an environment where you know they can do something really fucking cool together, looking at all of this, I'm like, yeah, this kind of rocks, doesn't it? And basically, you know, he says, look, you, I did what I want, what I did here because you were standing over Sting and you were about to concerto him, right? He's leaving the idea of, look, man, I came back because I wanted to enjoy time, my time with you. I wanted to have, to end my career with my pal, right? That's what my daughter said I should do with my best friend. This is what I wanted to do. And you're standing over Sting and you're about to bash him in. Sting, he's our hero, man. You were, when we were growing up, you were saying I was Lex Luger. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, all this rules, you know. And he says, you know, for the first time since 2011, for the first time properly in over 20 years, he wants them to be a tag team again. And Christian, and, and the crowd's into it. And he extends his hand. Everyone in the building, in watching at home, in the bottom of their hearts, knew Christian Cage was going to tell him no. But nonetheless, it was a pretty fun moment and a great angle, a great story arc here. Just simple. You get into the history. You you into the history. You make it come alive. It's fantastic. Crowd is into it one more time. They hug, but Christian Cage also has a microphone as they're hugging. And while they're in the embrace, Christian Cage says, and I quote, go fuck yourself. And he leaves to a stunned Adam Copeland. And he goes up on the stage. Next week, Copeland, of course, is having his AEW debut against Luchasaurus. Nick Wayne is out there as well to flank Cage. I think there was a... There was a reference to Judgment Day when uh, Finn and um, what's-her-face, uh, fuck, Rhea Ripley, Damian Priest, when they all turned on on Edge, you know, Edge said, you know, these guys, they're just going to suck all the knowledge out of your brain and they're going to leave you for dead. I think that was a callback to the Judgment Day stuff. See, I don't have a problem with this and anyone who has a problem with this is a weirdo. And besides, Edge didn't say a goddamn thing about WWE directly. Didn't talk about the other place. Didn't say, man, it feels so good to be unshackled. None of that shit. He was very professional. He just went to business, left the past in the past and decided to move forward, but used the lore of pro wrestling again because this is what AEW is. AEW, AEW's lore is the lore of pro wrestling. So that's why we have to talk about WWE on AEW sometimes because the company's been around for 40 years. It's been operating as a monolithic uh, juggernaut for the past two decades. So, of course, there's going to be there's going to be WWE talk because that's just how it goes. But none of that good promo, great promo. A lot of talking. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, here goes Edge again. He's using all, you know, 
going too far, talking too much. But look, it's his, it, it's his, it's his, like he called it, his mission statement, his his first address to the AEW crowd. Give him time. Give him time. That's fine. Now, if we're getting seven-minute edge promos every week, uh, we're going to get fatigued real fucking fast. This needed to be done. But Christian Cage, I said it on on Tuesday on the podcast as I was reviewing Wrestle Dream. It's not even a bit. I think he's one of the greatest professional wrestlers have, uh, working right now in 2023. I sincerely believe that. Tremendous character work, tremendous in-ring work, great storytelling. All of Christian Cage's stories have been from point A to point B to point C to point D. Bump after bump after bump after bump. They're not stretching things out. They're not letting things... They're always delivering something different, something new. Go fuck yourself. That's all he says. He walks up the ramp. He's smug as fuck. And that's what you want out of Christian Cage. Christian Cage, as Nigel would say. Brilliant. More. Great stuff. So you see what I mean when I told you I didn't like last night's Dynamite? How it fit... And yet I'm talking about things with a lot of enthusiasm because the things that hit really hit hard. But there's just so much shovel, shovelware, you know, to use a term in a a, a gaming term. There's so much shovelware here. That at the very least, when the good things are good, they're great. But I did not care about this episode of Dynamite heavy on the nonsense and the recaps and the promos and you know interminable things without any real story beats and yet they'll tell us that this is what people want and yet on a week where they go head to head with the competition they're going to stack up the card with matches tell me they tell me they don't know what they're doing here Tell me they don't truly understand their audience. I don't know what they're not... I, I don't know what they're doing otherwise. I'm going to wrap it up here. Which, by the way, since we're talking about next week, the Dynamite Review, as you may assume, will be on Wednesday. Since Title Tuesday is on, as it says in the title, Tuesday. So I will be back next Tuesday for the Dynamite Review. Uh, next Wednesday <laughs> for the Dynamite Review. we we'll to try not to get that confused. Uh, so be sure that you mark your calendars and don't forget that because it's going to be a good time. I will uh, otherwise be back on uh, Sunday for the Collision Review uh, and then back on Tuesday for the Mr. Warren Hayes Show proper. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this review. I uh, hope it wasn't too scattered. This is one of the ones that I'm worried about. Where I'm like, I, you know, I went off script, completely went off my... My, my, you know, my, my format, let's put it that way. It's not, not as much a script as a format. Completely went off to it. So hopefully it, it holds up. Let me know if it was trash. <laughs> Have a great week, everyone. We'll see you next time.